Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Hi, everyone. It's Amy Newmark, and I'm off for the 4th of July week, but I've chosen three classic episodes for you that I think are perfect for this week when we're remembering exactly why we love our country. I'll see you next week with new episodes. Changing your life one story at a time. This is the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast with Editor-in-Chief Amy Newmark. Hey, it's Amy Newmark with your daily dose of Chicken Soup for the Soul inspiration. It's Thoughtful Thursday, and we're going to be serious today because... The 15th anniversary of 9-11 is here, and I've been thinking back to the unity that we felt at that time. Do you remember how everyone smiled at everyone on the street, regardless of color, gender, what we were wearing, what our occupations were? I remember traveling to San Francisco a couple of months later, and my cab driver refused my fare when he heard I was from a suburb of New York City. He asked me to take the money I would have paid him and donate it to a local fire department, which of course they did. We published a book called Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Spirit of America, and it reminds us of what unites us, not what divides us. And that book is filled with stories about 9-11, what happened that day, and the aftermath. And the first story I want to talk about from that book is by our senior editor, Barbara Lamonico. It's called The Faces on the Mountain, and it's about a visit to Mount Rushmore. So Barbara's story happened almost two years after 9-11. She and her husband, Frank, were on a road trip in the summer of 2003, and they were visiting a bunch of national parks and staying a few days in each place. They had already been to the Grand Canyon, Zion, and Bryce, and now they were in South Dakota to check out the Badlands, the Black Hills, and Mount Rushmore. They went to Mount Rushmore on July 4th, And they got there early because they had heard that it was going to be packed. And security was very tight also, so that caused big delays getting to Mount Rushmore. There was a long line of cars to get in. There were soldiers with rifles. There were bomb-sniffing dogs stationed at each entrance gate. And each car was stopped, and everyone had to show a picture ID. Then the dogs sniffed the cars. And then a soldier would examine the undercarriage of each car with a pole that had a mirror on it. Finally, Barbara and Frank got in. They walked down the Avenue of Flags. They toured the visitor center. And then they stood on the observation terrace to gaze some more at the sculptures of American presidents. With all that security, everyone was definitely reminded of the importance of our freedoms and what we fight for. Barbara noticed something about the hundreds of people who were standing there with her. Everyone was wearing red, white, and blue. Remember, it was the 4th of July. It was such a spontaneous outpouring of patriotism. And then it started, quietly, almost like humming. At first, she wasn't sure she was really hearing it. And then someone started singing, God Bless America, that wonderful song by Irving Berlin. 
Then more and more people joined in until practically everyone was standing and singing. Lots of people had tears in their eyes, and lots of people had smiles on their faces, because a group of complete strangers had come together with a common love for their country. Another story I want to share from our Spirit of America book is titled Small Gestures. And Suzanne Herbert tells us what happened to her on September 11th. First of all, to set the scene, she had attended her brother-in-law's wedding in New York the night of September 10th, 2001. The wedding had been at the Boat Basin Cafe, which is at 79th Street along the Hudson River, almost six miles up from the World Trade Center. That next morning, September 11th, Suzanne, of course, heard the news. And then she and her husband and her brother-in-law didn't know what to do because they had to go back to the restaurant to pick up some things from the wedding the night before. So they walked over there anyway. They sat there then at the cafe, silent and dumbfounded by what was going on six miles down the river from where they were. It was hard to imagine that the night before they'd been celebrating a wedding with family and friends and having a wonderful time in this place. Then Suzanne looked out at the river, and she saw a firefighter walking toward them. He was all alone. He was wearing all of his firefighter gear, and he was covered in that tan soot that everybody got in them after 9-11. He got to the cafe. He sat down at one of the outdoor tables, and then he put his head in his hands, and he began to sob. A waitress came over, brought him a Coke, and put her hand on his shoulder. Suzanne and her husband and brother-in-law sat there stunned, and everyone else there was stunned and silent, too. It was just horrifying. And then one person began to clap, and then another, and soon everyone there was clapping for this one distraught, exhausted firefighter. Then Suzanne and her husband and brother-in-law left, and remember, everyone was just trying to be together that day. People were roaming around New York City in shock, dazed, having no idea what to do. So they ended up going to a diner nearby, but they found that the waiter there was the only person who had made it to work, and he was running around trying to serve everyone. People started pitching in and serving each other. Suzanne's husband helped the waiter deliver plates to the other tables. Suzanne's brother-in-law took over making the coffee. And Suzanne says they spent the next couple of days in a fog. Their apartment, which was miles away from the World Trade Center, smelled like smoke. You had to walk everywhere because there was no public transportation. Tanks filled the streets of New York City instead of cars. And every surface was plastered with the faces of the missing. Remember, this was when people were still holding on to hope that their loved ones had somehow escaped the towers and then had amnesia or were unconscious in a hospital somewhere. Suzanne says that on the first anniversary of 9-11, There was a moment of silence declared, and she found herself thinking of that firefighter again, the one who walked six miles up the Hudson River and sat down and sobbed in front of a bunch of strangers in a cafe. She thought of that waitress with her hand on his shoulder and the applause he received. She thought of the people in the diner who happily shared the work of that lone waiter. We were all connected then, and we were aware of what unites us, not what divides us. I'm Amy Newmark. Thanks for listening today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk more about 9-11 with Corinda Carfora, 
who has quite a tale to tell about what she did right after 9-11 and how she became one of Bruce Springsteen's backup singers at several benefit concerts for 9-11 victims. If you'd like to read more stories about 9-11 and about patriotism from Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Spirit of America, please go to our website, chickensoup.com.